Good morning. Uh, miss all y'all. Looking forward to seeing you finally. Uh, with some restrictions, of course, but we'll we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some of you uh, at church, and then eventually all of you. Um, now, uh, Rex told me that he had some really good comments on the last time that he asked me to teach, and I went, "Yay, nerds!" Okay, so uh, that's a win. And then he asked me to do this lesson on mercy. So, uh, when I started studying it, I, I, and I actually asked Rex, I said, do you realize what you've done? And he's like, no, why? And I said, well, I said, you're going to find out. We're going to talk about the, uh, the olive tree and grafting. He said, oh, your botanist's going to come up. I said, yeah. So, if this gets on your nerves, it's Rex's fault. Now, we're studying in the book of Romans, obviously. We start in verse, in chapter 11. The lesson actually starts in verse 17. But, once again, the lesson actually starts in the middle of a thought. So, I can't do that. At the, in the beginning, Paul asked the question, and this is verse 1. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I am also Israelite. Of the seed of Abraham, the tribe of Benjamin, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew, or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they've killed your prophets, torn down your altars. I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now that's where, that's kind of a background, okay? So you got to realize that the gospel first came to the Jews. Jesus' direct instructions were to go to Jerusalem first, Galilee, all of the Jews, and then to all the world. And Paul actually followed these directions completely. When he went into a new community, he went to the Jews first, every time. He would go into the synagogues, he would teach, and then there would generally... There would be some accept it, but the majority of them would reject it. And most of the time they tried to run him out of town. And then he would turn to the Gentiles. That's the way that happens. Alright? So, starting in verse 17. Now, if some of the branches were broken off, and you, though a wild olive branch, were grafted in among them, and have come to share in the rich root of the cultivated olive tree, do not boast that you are better than those branches. But if you do boast, you do not sustain the root, but the root sustains you. Then you say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. He goes, true enough. They were broken off because of unbelief, but you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but beware 
Because if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Now, unless you've read the scripture before, he's going, we're just talking about the Jews and then the Gentiles, and then all of a sudden we're talking about an olive tree and some wild branches. Well, I love the Bible. I love it, I love it, I love it. And one of the reasons that I love it is because Jesus, the apostles, a lot of the Old Testaments used nature, used natural law to teach a spiritual law. Okay? Be not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If I plant a butter bean, I'm not expecting to collect oranges when it grows up. I'm not. Okay? Not only that, but if I plant a specific type of butter bean, say Christmas pole beans, when they grow up, I'm not expecting to get green limas, even though they're similar. Okay? So when he's talking about the olive tree, you got to understand that the olive tree, and, and Doug Hill or Brenda would be able to tell you a whole lot more about grafting, but something miraculous occurs when a keeper of the trees realizes that a branch is dead or a branch is underproducing from the cultivated tree and he cuts it off and he goes out into the wild and he finds branches and then he clips them and he prepares them, makes sure it's scuffed up just right and then he grafts it into that tree. <clears throat> what occurs is the wild branch keeps some of its characteristics but it takes on the characteristics of the root. So when you take a cultivated olive tree and you graft in a wild branch, that wild branch still produces as much fruit as it would had it still been attached to the wild, but it would produce large, full, flavorful crop of what it is grafted to. So the branch takes on the characteristics of the root. You can't tell me there's anything more spiritual than that. Because when God, through Jesus, through faith, calls us and grafts us into his family, we are supposed to take on the characteristics of Jesus. We can't stay the wild branch We've got to be transformed by the root into something that is holy and acceptable to God. Now, that's a big deal. On our own, it's impossible. But we are grafted to that root source. Okay? Now, this, this thought process of grafting, they use an olive tree, but I'm going to go a little bit further. Rex told me that botanists, here you go. So with an apple tree, you can graft so many different varieties of apples onto the same stem that a tree is able to self-cross-pollinate. 
So you can have one tree, no apple trees nearby, but enough varieties on that tree to where it cross-pollinates amongst itself. Now, where does that come in spiritually? Every one of us have a different gift. If our gifts work together, then we're cross-pollinating, for lack of a better way to explain it. I am not, I, I couldn't do what Chris Green does to save my hide. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do what Wesley does. Because as soon as some teenager came to me crying about something, I'd go, all right, get over it. He's got to listen to them, and he's got to try to understand. It's been too long since I've been a teenager. I don't understand anymore, okay? It's been too long, and I'm kind of harsh, I've been told. I'm, I don't know. Anyway, I don't mean to be, but okay. So the grafting is a careful, planned process from the Father. When the Jews rejected him, he brought in the Gentiles, and then he created the family, and the family continues to spread, and the branches reach out to all over the world, and as a result, feeding off the root, not changing the gospel, but you've got all of these different personalities, all of these different cultures, taking part of the same root base, and if we did it right then we should have greater fellowship with a Christian brother or sister from the Middle East than we, we should with a person who is an abject non-believer who hates God that lives across the street. We should actually have a greater connection to a believer that we've never met because we're family than somebody that we see every day that every time that they bring up scripture, they start cussing. And I know some of those folks, okay? And I, I, I do. Okay. All right. Now, I'm going to hit one of these things again. Do not boast that you are better than those branches. That's one. Do not be arrogant, but beware. Whew. Spiritual... Pride is deadly. It, it'll kill a ministry. It'll kill a friendship. It will kill a church. When the, the church is supposed to be like a stew. You know, in a stew, you got potatoes, you got carrots, you got onions, you got some beef, you got all these different things. And you know what? Every single one of those things retains its identity. But it becomes one with the whole. It creates a melody of all the different flavors, which makes a good stew. But you don't homogenize each individual person. So when a person comes through our doors, if they're a true believer, if they're different than you, great. You know, but we, it's everywhere. I know it's everywhere. But we have a problem, a lot of folks, 
have a problem about yang-yang about somebody who's different. Drives me crazy. Because if you got to know me, I'm pretty different. Um, but I mean, I'm not, maybe not visually so different, but if you got to know me, I'm pretty different. All right, so let's go back to verse 22. Therefore, consider God's kindness and severity. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness towards you. If you remain in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And even if they, if they do not remain in unbelief, will be grafted in. Because God has the power to graft them in again. For in you were cut off from your native wild olive tree and against nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Okay? So, there are some people who have used this as a basis for saying that you can lose your salvation. I don't think that's right. Um, I really don't. But he, you can be saved and be cut off with fellowship with God. You can get so far gone that God just deals with you, and then you'll, you know, your works will be judged, whether they be wood, hay, or stubble, gold, silver, or precious stones. And that's a horrible, horrible situation to be in. But here's the thing, and, and God is amazing. So he can take those that he cut out, he eliminated due to their unbelief, and graft them back in. Now let's go back to the apple tree. Okay, we're going to go back to the apple tree. So, and you, you, and you might want to look up apple tree fence. They're amazing. Because they will take a tree, and they'll take the, the trunk of that tree, and they'll take off the branches from that tree and then graft it back in to where all of the branches come off at, at the sides where there's nothing this way, it's just this way, and they'll graft them back up and then they'll put another apple tree next to it and then they'll graft those two branches together and they'll create a solid fence line of apple trees. All of them feeding off all the different root systems going into the branches feeding, and as long as they're all apples, it'll work. Okay? So, when the Jews were cut off, he's keeping them green so that when some of them turn back to God, turn into belief, he can graft them right back into the family not only graft them right back into the family, but graft them right back in where he wants them to be. Because that's one of the amazing things about God is when he accepts you as part of the family, he doesn't just accept you and then send you on your way. <clears throat> the way it was designed, the way the church was designed, is when you became a believer, you had somebody who taught you, who trained you, who helped you become who God wanted you to be. 
And every one of us has a job. Every one of us has a job. Doesn't matter who you are, you got a job. You may not know what it is yet, but you've got one. Okay? All right. Verse 25. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you will not be conceited. Man, there's a lot of hard words in here, aren't there? A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Regarding the gospel, they are enemies for your advantage. But regarding election, they are loved because of the patriarchs, since God's gracious gift and calling are irrevocable. As you once disobeyed God, but now have received mercy through their disobedience, so they too now have now disobeyed, resulting in mercy to you, so that they may also now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may have mercy on all. Now, <clears throat> I don't pretend to understand everything in the scripture. I do not pretend to understand the mind of God. I study the scripture. I do my research. I read various translations um, and I do the best I can with what I got. But it is amazing to me that God made the promise to Abraham. No. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. God made the promise to Adam and to Eve that their descendant would be triumphant over the serpent. And then Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. So there's one person who hadn't died. And then we skip to Abraham. Or actually we go to Noah. And Noah was righteous in his day. Now that didn't mean a whole lot because apparently everybody else was pretty stinking bad. But he was the best of the bunch. And God thought, yeah, okay, I'm going to save him and his family because he's a good dude. It's crazy, huh? Then we get to Abraham. And he promised him that his seed would be as the stars in the sky or the sand by the ocean. Then we get to David. Your descendants shall be on the throne forever. Okay? So... All of these promises for really one family and then continue to focus on one family is just amazing. And then when Jesus came and lived the sinless life and did all of the miraculous things that he did and he was still put to death by his own people because they refused to understand the message that he brought. 
and then he rose from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And then they still rejected him, and God said, okay, let's open it up to everybody else. We got enough room here. Let's give everybody else a chance. That's one of Jesus' parables. The bridegroom had prepared a feast, and when he called those who he invited, they all came up with uh, excuses. And he was mad. He was wrathful. So he finally, he said, go out into the roads. Go out, go out into the hedgerows. Find people in the ditch. Bring them in because I want my house full. Now I know that kind of hurts your pride that we were in the ditch. But we were. We were. But God's going to go back to his people too. Not and reject us, but he's going to open it back up to them. It's already opened back up to them, but there's going to be more turned to him in droves. Now, I want you to understand something. So it says, don't be arrogant. Talks about the severity. Don't be conceited. You know? That's some heavy duty stuff. Now what that tells me is that God realized that human nature is I'm something. <laughs> yeah, I'm something. No, we're not. God didn't accept us for anything that is innate within us. God didn't look at Greg and said, he likes plants, I'm going to let him be part of the family. He didn't look at me and said, you know, he, he's kind of smart, I'm going to let him come along. He didn't do that. When God looked at Greg, he didn't see anything valuable, but he did see something that he loved. He saw somebody worth saving. Not through any thing that's wonderful on my own. <laughs> I can't earn salvation. You can't either. I don't care who you are. You can't do it. So how dare we? And that's pretty stern too. And How dare we look down at somebody else who's trying to be a Christian. I don't care if they look different. I don't care if they smell different. Because if God could look at me and think that I was worth saving, then God could look at anybody and say that they're worth saving. And if they're saved, they're part of the family. We, we just, we can't do that. We, we we can't. We we it's it's ridiculous. Now, every family's got family members that are weird. And if you don't know who the family member is that's weird, it's probably you. But that doesn't mean that you treat that family member any different. If they're trying, if they're doing everything they can. You treat them with respect and you, love, and you love them even if they're not trying. But you treat them with respect and you welcome them. 
It's a hard lesson. And this was about mercy. Imagine that. Mercy, don't be arrogant. Mercy, don't be conceited. Mercy, if you're disobedient, we'll cut you off. We'll put somebody back, right back in your place. Mercy, they got cut off because of unbelief. You can be too. Mercy, they have a temporary hardening of the heart. Mercy, how, you know, when today when we think about mercy, it's all soft and fuzzy. Let me tell you something. God's mercy is not soft and fuzzy. It's not at all. But let me tell you. <laughs> if God sent Paul to Rome, to Corinth, to Thessalonica, if God sent Rome, uh, Paul to Mars Hill to stare at all of those false gods, then I don't see any reason why God wouldn't send somebody to the slums, to the jungle, or your neighborhood. And sometimes that someone's you. If you've ever thought, oh God, why won't you do something about this? Maybe you're the one who's supposed to do something about it. Now sometimes that gets you in trouble because then you wind up with 57 jobs. But God will send you help. I was really expecting this to last longer than it did, but that's okay. I, I want you to understand something. When you study the scripture, always look for where the thought starts. If this verse starts out with and, that's not where it starts. If it starts out with now, that's not where it starts. Just like last time when I said therefore, that's not where it starts. Context is a big thing. And we got a lot of people making a lot of money taking scripture out of context. And it's a, it's a fearful thing trying to teach the scripture. Because if I lead you wrong, or if Rex leads you wrong, or whoever leads you wrong, we'll be held accountable by God. The following message is part of Cleveland First Baptist Church's Sunday morning Bible study series through the Book of Romans.